This is Dial a Dev, a podcast where I interview developers from all different backgrounds about how they got to where they are, and I'll ask them to share some words of wisdom and maybe even some fun stories. I'm Linda, and on this episode, we'll be talking to a liberal arts major who was convinced he would teach English in Japan after college. Instead, something completely different happened, and he found himself learning new skills on a tech job. He even took it a step further and taught himself how to code. And the part I love most about his journey is that in the end, even though he ended up with a different career, he kept his love for Japanese culture and visited the country many times. I'm hoping his story will be somewhat of an encouragement to those who want to do a career switch but have a non technical degree and might not know where to begin. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Eric. My name is Eric Crew.、Uh, I'm a senior software developer at Bizarre Voice, and I've been a software developer for about six years. Awesome. Thanks for sharing your experiences with us today. So, I want to start with what got you interested in the industry because I know you have a very unique and interesting career path. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that? I became a software developer partly through teaching myself and then partly through a graduate certificate through the University of Washington Bothell campus. Before that, I was a liberal arts major, majored in international studies with a focus in Asia, with plans of going off to Japan and teaching English. While that was happening, I was a social media manager for realestate.com. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, what was the actual turning point for you? When did you actually realize that you wanted to become a software developer or, or that you were kind of interested in tech? My mom knew the HR manager of the company called Market Leader, and that was a real estate CRM platform. And so, really, it was just sort of a job that I just took that happened to be a tech job. And it was more of like an administrative assistant, sort of helping out fill out spreadsheets and all that stuff. And basically, the longer I stayed there, I sort of worked through the ranks of、uh, starting to get more involved doing more scripting stuff with Python to help automate some of their processes, like pulling data from third party APIs for the various marketing platforms they use, to sort of working my way into doing a QA engineer type role at that company. Wow, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you kind of picked up the Python and ran with it to automate your daily tasks. And so I often get asked by people where. Where, where to start? Where do I begin? So, for you, you started at Market Leader and you kind of started learning how to automate things on your own. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah.、Uh, so, I was very fortunate to be in a tech company already. And I was also fortunate enough to be、uh, with a manager who was very supportive of my personal endeavors. To give sort of a rough overview of what my job was, it involved parsing through huge, huge Excel spreadsheets that had all these really complex formulas in them and basically inputting the day's data. And、uh, that's when I started looking at technical solution using Python, just because that's sort of what I've seen online. And, and so I became fascinated with setting up those super、uh, script kitty type stuff. But it was something that was really interesting to me. So that, that really, I think, was the main point. And as I sort of realized this is something I wanted to get into,、uh, I requested a transfer from, at the time I was on the marketing team, I made that first transitionary step. It must have really been a relief to find something that can help you automate a very cumbersome task. But how did you decide to use Python?、Uh, I just Googled stuff in terms of like, how can I access Google Ad Service in a more efficient way or something like that? It was, it was some very like broad question that <laughs> I think I landed on some Yahoo、uh, forums. And、uh, a lot of people kept bringing up, oh, you should try using Python and setting up a script doing this and that. 
Yeah, so it sounds like Yahoo forums is really the way to go. Although I guess nowadays it would be Reddit or Quora. Um, so it it takes a leap of faith to decide what career to pursue. That's what I kind of say to everybody. Did you have a fallback plan in case you hated working um, on the QA team or hated working in a more technical role? Um, Do you ever think that maybe I'm going to go back to teaching English as my fallback plan? I thought about a lot in terms of what would I do if I wasn't doing software development. And I think that, yeah, I think the teaching thing was something that would pop every up every now and then. That's now since past, especially now that I have two kids and, you know, I have a family to support. It's less of a thing I think about, but I really like that because it was, yeah, it is, it was something that I, I gave a lot of thought to. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I think I'm in the groove now, at least I hope anyway. <laughs> Right. And I really appreciate your honesty with that. So did you have any other reference points, other other jobs you had prior to the administrative market leader job that kind of helped you decide that this is what you wanted to do relative to all the other stuff that was out there? After I graduated from college, I kind of had an idea of I wanted to teach English in Japan. That was sort of the plan at the time. But in the meantime, I was like, well, I have to have a job and I should probably work. So I was applying everywhere. I was working at Nintendo as a game tester. I was working as a supply person for Best Buy. I worked at a restaurant doing dishes, you know, just basically taking whatever job I could in post 2010 era, uh, thinking that it was just going to be sort of a temporary thing until I went to Japan. Him. Ever since I was 16, I've been doing sort of manual type jobs. Like my first job ever was Bad Boy QFC and Stockroom and Checker and worked in a variety of places at Subway and Jamba Juice. And I didn't mind the work. I, it's, it's sort of you're busy until you're done and you get some overtime in and it's nice. It's manual, it's simple, and it's something that I can do well. I realized how much more I could be making with less physical toll to my body. Not saying that that's bad work or anything like that. And it wouldn't be something I'd be able to handle, especially now with a family and kids. So in that respect, I am very thankful for having jobs I've had prior to being in development. Yeah, so it sounds like you did a lot of different things. So how did you land your current job? And what was the interview process like for that? There was a lot of different interviews that I did. I did a lot with some of the fang companies. I did a lot with some of the startup companies. The interview process uh, into Curlate, which is, I guess, sort of my current job now, was very much like a technical interview with the exception that a lot of the on-site, the phone screen, you know, talking to the CTO, definitely made it seem more like it was about a holistic view of me as a developer versus um, how well I knew leak code answers to leak code questions. Right. And answering a leak code question properly doesn't mean you'll always be successful on the job either. Um, and so what was the most challenging part of becoming a software developer? Yeah, the sheer volume of things that I needed to learn, especially as someone who didn't have a formal background and was still relatively new to the space from basic stuff to, you know, command line interfaces, cloud platforms, like understanding AWS infrastructure, understanding what the Docker is, understanding every part of computing on top of just being able to code well, constantly made it seem like an overwhelming uphill battle. I'd never actually touched core, like corporate level production code. Like there was just so many things that I didn't understand. And even in, when I switched to Curlate and I'd been a relatively well-established backend developer in Java and Scala, Curlate was also a Scala shop, but they used a completely different framework. 
And so even little things like that, where it took me a couple, you know, a couple weeks to maybe a month to get ramped up with their infrastructure. It just felt like (laughs) I'm in the wrong industry. I don't, I clearly don't know what I'm doing. While I feel somewhat confident of saying, oh, I'm a software developer, it's always been something where I hesitate saying that because I just am constantly made aware of just the mountain of things I still don't quite understand or have a mastery over yet. So, Yeah. And so, so aside from all the technologies, was there anything else that came up that you didn't account for originally or was there anything that your training was lacking? I didn't know how to ask questions the right way. There was stuff that I didn't know. And there would be times when they would explain things and they would make it seem like, oh, this is a very, here's the very basic thing that you should know how to do. Instead of stopping and asking, what is that thing? <laughs> For fear of being judged by my peers and not being good enough to be in this industry, I just wouldn't say anything. And then as a result, that like core thing that's supposed to be very basic that, you know, everything else is built upon, it fragmented sort of my learning moving forward. And so one of the key differences and the success I've had with uh, working at CureLate and, you know, becoming a senior engineer is being able to ask questions, try not to let (laughs) that feeling of inadequacy get to you too much, because it'll lead to a much more firmer understanding and foundation. That makes a lot of sense, and I think everybody has struggled with that a little bit from entry-level software developers to people who kind of did a boot camp or people who did a mid-career switch, so I think you're definitely not alone in that. Um, What was your favorite part about becoming a software developer? I really like working with the developers I've been working with, especially love working with really smart developers who are eager and willing to talk about their craft and their knowledge. Because first of all, it's just fascinating to see how people think and approach problems. And then secondly, like they're interesting people, especially if they've gotten to the point of like leader or staff positions. The leadership that I've worked under in all my companies have been very smart and uh, passionate people. And the second thing is, uh, now that I've found my niche in the industry, sort of REST backend API development with some infra. Uh, I really enjoy thinking through uh, sort of good design, thinking through optimizations, testing and seeing how things work, um, especially when it results in a better experience for the customer or if it helps like our tech team or support team perform their jobs a little bit easier. I can definitely see that being very fulfilling to help out customers and other engineers. Um, So if you could do anything differently about your career path, if you could go back and do it again, would you would you do anything differently? Uh, As much as I'd like to optimistically say I wouldn't do anything different. I think there were a lot of things I would do differently. (laughs) Like if I just went back and I told freshman year me that, hey, guess what, in 2021, you're going to be a senior, potentially staff engineer at a company, don't be afraid to take computer science. CS is something that you can do. It's something that, you know, you're going to enjoy doing. Uh, You just got to try. I can't help but sort of get this idea that for as much as I like to fluff up and talk about sort of my experiences outside of CS, I, I do sort of think that it was kind of a way for me to not have to try really hard <laughs> at things. Uh, even the teaching English in Japan, even though it might have been a passion of mine, it was something I was just sort of innately good at and not like, you know, talking to people and English is my first language. And I don't think I would have gotten as much career satisfaction had I not pursued something like software development where I really had to really had to learn about this industry and really have to learn to, you know, make it fulfilling. So 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. So what exactly was the blocker for you in terms of studying CS in undergrad? What was really preventing you? Was it like a fear of failure? Was it kind of you just didn't think you had the right credentials? Yeah, so I think it was fear of failing. It was uh, just sort of the understanding that math was never my strong suit, which I always sort of interpreted as something that is like crucial to software development, just thinking that I wasn't smart enough and I was afraid I was going to fail. So, you know, why bother? Because there's all these really smart people who are way ahead in the field and all that stuff. So why bother? Why bother competing with that? I think that's pretty common, and you're definitely not alone in that sentiment. And so kind of on on that same vein, what advice do you have for someone who is deciding if they want to pursue software development as a career? For for people who are sort of thinking about being in software development, I think the number one thing um, that I would I would encourage people to consider is figuring out um, like if they w- want to be more uh, on the front end, front end side of things or the back end side of things. Uh, and I know that sort of, these are sort of like broad terms and all that stuff, but I, I, I notice a lot of people are really interested in, uh, in, in making sort of like the next Facebook, right? Or when people want to be in development, they see one of those sort of snazzy Facebook Microsoft ads saying like, oh, coding's a lot of fun. Look at all these social activities you're doing where you're drawing on a glass whiteboard or something. Um, and, and the truth is, from my experience anyway, um, is that the first thing you need to really know is like, do you want to do something where you're doing in web design, like more on the uh, graphical UI, UX uh, side of things? Because uh, to me, those are two very different brains to software development. Um, when you're thinking about UI, UX, or if you're thinking about uh, doing sort of backend development. And both of them have their broad spectrums of uh, what does it mean to be backend, what does it mean to be frontend type thing, and then there's full stack. Um, but um, but understanding like if, like, are you really passionate about UI, UX? Do you really like to see how things work and all that stuff? And uh, do you like how things move or, or animate on a web page or, or an application interface? Is that something that you're really passionate about? Um, or is it something on the flip side where it's like, oh, I'm more on the data. I'm not really super artistic when it comes to thinking about you know, UI, UX stuff, but I really do like thinking about sort of databases and data sets. And as lame as that sounds, like that's that kind of fit true for me where I don't really think I'm artistic enough to be thinking about UI, UX design. And that's, you know, to me, it's an art form that's, you know, crazy and all that stuff. But, uh, but I do like thinking about performance. I do like thinking about optimizations too. You know, everything from like, you know, from the very beginning of pulling data from APIs from the marketing team I worked for. Like, how do you, how can we get this to be better, faster? How can we do analysis? Totally. I think that's great advice. And what what do you think you would say to somebody who has decided, okay, I want to be a back-end engineer, or I want to be a web developer, I want to be a front-end developer, um, what's what's next? Try something like try, try doing try writing an app don't don't worry about deploying it don't worry about you know making it publicly available just have something working on your machine because i know it's cool and it's gimmicky to have things like oh i set up cic you know ci pipelines or oh i was able to you know get it running in travis and and now it's like on on the on the web and i i found that like then you're spending a lot of time doing sort of devopsy stuff 
right? And if that's your passion, then that's your passion. But if you really want to be interested in coding, then, you know, coding something, regardless of whether it's been done before, if it's just something you're passionate about, uh, I think it definitely helps sort of people break the mold of, you know, all right, I want to, you know, do this project. And it might be, it might have been done millions of times before in a lot better ways, but at least this way you're getting familiar with frameworks. Like if you're, again, this applies to front or back end, if, you know, what framework would you use? Just number one. And then what language and, you know, all that stuff. Because uh, the other stuff will come later. But if you have something you're passionate about and you want to develop something for, focusing on just that uh, will really take you, I think, a long ways uh, as, as long as you don't get yourself distracted with serving sort of the ancillary stuff. I agree. I think that's a great place to start. And really, the more projects you work on, especially in industry with projects that maybe have a lot of legacy code, you'll end up learning a lot. And also, there are just so many different technologies, libraries, tools out there that it's impossible to master it all. So there's really no worries if you start small and slowly find your niche. I, I constantly think, for example, like at Curelate and a Porch, if I were to stand up my own service, like from scratch, and not use any of the infra built in to, you know, everything I'm well-versed in at Curelate, for example, uh, it would just be a huge, huge, huge challenge for me in terms of like, how would I implement Terraform on my own? How would I, <laughs> you know, what, what deploy script would I use if I'm not using Jenkins? Like I've never used the cloud build through Google or through Amazon, and I've never set up, you know, load balancers or, or any of that stuff and, and Docker, like Docker container optimization. So I, uh, I think about that a lot and it, it makes me think that, you know, either A, I'm not really well suited to do anything other than what I'm doing now, <laughs> or B, I need to spend a lot more time trying to stand up services on my own. And uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I just find it interesting that up until recently, you weren't even sure if this is really what you wanted to do. And so I really appreciate your honesty and sharing your thoughts on that, because I'm sure there are many others in the industry who feel kind of similarly. And of course, no one wants to admit that, right? No one wants to admit that, you know, oh, I'm not sure if this is where I belong, <laughs> because yeah, that you worry about the facade you put on for other people and, you know, you want people to think that you're a well-established, you know, well, like I, I was talking to my coworker who had no idea that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't major in a CS undergrad. It's, it's interesting because I think there is a, there is a part of the industry where you can't ever admit like that type of vulnerability or that type of weakness, uh, just because then it'll throw into light your whole like, credentials right you know, unless you're like hardcore just coding day and night and this is just you live and breathe code and you drink you wear shirts that say i turn coffee and code or something like that and you're not a true software developer and and uh so I, it's it's uh it's something that i think this industry probably could use more of <laughs> it's like just telling people that hey it's not fun and laughing all the time and playing pool in the you know the rec area it's also seeing it desk for a living and banging your head wondering why things will you know do, do and don't work right it's not all free lunches and napping pods there's actually a lot of complexity that comes with the job but thank you so much eric for sharing your experiences today and really appreciate you providing your valuable insights Thanks for listening to Dial-A-Dev. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please send them to dialadevpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.